Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Mr. Wesley Wells. Wesley, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, AJ. How are you? I am doing just fine and dandy. Now, your your name is still Mr. Wesley Wells, right? You don't change your name? Is that how that works? I did not change my name, but um, the former Miss Kristen Attig is now Mrs. Kristen Wells or Mrs. Wesley Wells, whatever whatever you prefer. Yes, folks. Uh, this is, of course, Wesley Wells, the uh, trivia aficionado. You've probably heard him on every trivia podcast known to man, but uh, he's a favorite guest of everybody's, including myself. Uh, congratulations on the wedding, sir. Thank you. Do you feel any different? I don't, other than now I share a bed with someone. Uh, well, you know, hey, that's that's between you, uh, you, her, and the lamppost, I suppose. Uh, has your trivia knowledge been sapped? This isn't going to be some sort of Samson-like situation here where... Uh... <laughs> I hope not, though, though with the wedding and everything, I haven't done a whole lot of studying or tried to stay sharp recently. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, excellent. I've got Wesley in the hot seat at just the right time. Mwahaha. Mwahaha. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you will uh, acquit yourself quite, uh, quite well here. Wesley, as you know, the rules of the game are they haven't changed all that much over the years. There's still going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. There's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. And at the end of the game, you will field what we call the confidence question, which will be your last chance to try to prove your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we exchange the rings. No, wait, no, that's, that's something else. Uh, <laughs> Wesley, are you ready to go? I am ready. Because speak now, or for, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Wesley, this season, as you probably have heard, is our alphabet season. Every single uh, answer in this game, unless I say otherwise, is going to begin with the same letter of the alphabet. It could be the first name of a person, the last name of a person. If we're dealing with a title, one of the words in the title will have a word that begins with today's letter. And heck, it just wouldn't be the W episode without Wesley Wells. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I was hoping for. I think you had a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> We're getting near the end so of the well. alphabet. Yeah, not too many letters left. Uh, I figured who better, who better. Well worth the wait. All W words. See what I did there? <laughs> I do see. It's very clever. And, and wedding also starts with W. Indeed it does. Well, you wascally wabbit. Uh, round one. The point values, as you know, one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories we're going to be using today. We're going to kick things off with what comes next. Follow it up with analogies. Move along to who done it. And we're going to wrap up round one with literature. So, Wesley, what comes next? Well, these are all kind of the puzzle type categories. And those are hit or miss with me. I'm pretty decent at them. But of course, also, in order to, to get something right, you have to have something of an in. And so, um, but I like both of the first two. So I think I'm going to ease in a little bit and go five for what comes next. 
five points for what comes next. I wish you luck. I wish you well. Here is your five point. What comes next question? Eugene Grizzard. Leo Bloom. Quaxer Fortune. What comes next? Okay. Eugene Grizzard. Leo Bloom. Oh, boy. Quaxar Fortune, you said, was the third one? Quaxer Fortune. Quaxer. Can you spell that for me? That would be like the sound the duck makes. Quack, followed by S-E-R. Quaxer Fortune. Well, I'm a little concerned because I don't super know this. I know who Leopold Bloom is, but I'm guessing that's a little different than Leo Bloom because I'm guessing you're not talking about James Joyce characters. And... And even if you were, I wouldn't know where to go with um, a W, James Joyce character. But thinking about the um, W episode before it started, I was writing down some of your favorites that had a double W as their um, initials. And um, I came up with a few, and one of those was Willy Wonka. So I think I'm going to lock in with Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka is your locked-in answer based on nothing more than reputation alone. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) I do absolutely enjoy my repeated letters, my double letters, as it were. And uh, to get a double W, wow, does that make me uh, a quadrilateral review? (laughs) I don't know even what to call that. Yeah, so these are all names of movie characters. Movie characters, they are. Uh, and they were all played by the same actor. Uh, Wilder? Uh, this actor, well, wouldn't you like it to be Gene Wilder? Wouldn't that make it a fine? It's either Johnny Depp or, 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 or Gene Wilder, and you've got I'd a shot. Gene Wilder. <laughs> uh, Gene Wilder, of course, does start with a W. Uh, yeah, he starred in films such as Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, the Producers. He played yes. Leo, Leo yes. Blair. Uh, a film called Quaxer Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx where he starred as the titular Quaxer Fortune. And then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well done, sir. Well done. Five points for you. That's a nice, nice start to the game. I I hope that as we move on, though, Wesley, that you'll be able to answer the questions based on knowledge and just not sheer uh, psychic uh, connection or something. (laughs) Here's hoping. Or maybe you'll just hit all the w names that i was trying to think of today indeed indeed well uh we're going to put those points on the scoreboard hopefully we won't have to strike it and reverse it we're going to move on to analogies one three or seven i'm going to go seven wow seven points for analogies coming out of the gate on fire let's hope the streak continues here is your seven point analogies question straits of sunday is to lilliput as the narrow sea is to what Okay, so I definitely know Lilliput, but I assume, and I haven't read Gulliver's Travels. I'm trying to think of other places that um, he goes, but um, you've got the Brogdenegians, which are the giants, and then you've got the Yahoos. Is there another place that started with a W? I can't think of another place that started with a W in in that particular book, but I imagine that it's 
I mean, I assume the analogy is like the um, river or sea or whatever you sail through to get to some fictional land. I'm just not sure what the narrow sea is and, and what land that would be. And I'm having a little trouble thinking of a fictional land that starts with a W. And there's probably an obvious one. I'm not thinking of it. The one that keeps coming into my mind right now is Windhoek, the capital of Namibia. So that's not super helpful. Wind, wind seems like it might be a nice um, start of a, of a fictional land. Wind, wind, wind. You've got the wind in the willows. That's a nice double W. I might file that one away for the literature question. And I don't want to tap out on the seven-pointer. It would be a shame. It would. And in good news, I'm coming up with more double W things. <laughs> I just thought of Wally World from um, Vacation. What are some good W words? That's what I should have done today. I should have thought of common W words to try to get who, what, when, where, why. There's probably a book that's like the land, the land of what? The land of what? They speak English in what? <laughs> That's what I think of when you say that. Uh, I tried my best to give you a little hint there, but if you know, if it doesn't hit you, it doesn't hit you. If your head's not in the right spot there, uh, you are absolutely correct in that uh, the Straits of Sunday is kind of a waterway that leads you to Lilliput. So I was indeed looking for the name of another fictional land, which the Narrow Sea might lead you to. You did not get the question right. I will... Have you walk naked through town while I ring a bell behind you going, shame, shame, shame. This is, of course, from the Game of Thrones. Oh, Westeros. Westeros is the answer, indeed. As I said, there's an obvious fictional land that I'm not thinking of, but I've also not watched Game of Thrones, and I've done some, some studying for trivia purposes, but I'm not fully versed on my Game of Thrones knowledge. Well, fair enough. But, you know, it's not TV. It's it's HBO. So, <laughs> well, you know what? No one, no one goes through an entire 16 questions perfect. So do not feel bad. We have plenty of time for you to add to your score. Uh, let us move along from Westeros to Who Done It. Who Done It is your question, sir. Would you like the one or the three? I'll put the one on Who Done It. One on Who Done It, a little biographical blurb. You tell me. Who Done It? A former car mechanic and electrician, his battles with General Yaruzelski made him a world recognized freedom fighter. Who Done It? Oh, man. You're not taking it easy on my letter, AJ. <laughs> I was about to ask you for the spelling of um, Yaruzelski, and then I was like, is that really going to matter? <laughs> It's it's spelled less you think it's spelled, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I took a guess at it. There's no silent Q at the start of your <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm trying to think of you of where to even go to start. Freedom fighters. Okay, I think I've got it, AJ. I was thinking, and I'm actually thinking about the spelling of Yaruzelski that I made a joke about a minute ago. I think gave it to me. Okay. Because... Um, I spelled it out, and I said, huh, that looks vaguely Polish. And then I thought, huh, what about Lech Walesa? 
and I don't know if that's pronounced because I've how that's pronounced because I've just seen it written. That's what I'm going with. Okay, yeah, the uh, General Yaroszelski certainly has that uh, Polish uh, feel to it with the ski at the end, uh, a J and R, a Z, uh, definitely Polish general. And uh, who might oppose a Polish general? Why trying to unionize his fellow car mechanics and electricians yeah. into a union? Uh, the Solidarity Movement, otherwise known as Solidarność, as led by one Lech Walesa. It's a W, but it sounds like a V. <laughs> <laughs> well done. One point for you. Excellent job. Thank you. Who would have known that um, the one name that I decided not to ask you to spell was the <laughs> one that would give it to me? I'm telling you, you know, even the hard questions sometimes have an in, even if it's as simple as, boy, that name sounds like it's hard to spell. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, one question left in round one. It is going to be literature. Are you prepared for your three-point literature question? Fingers crossed that it's wind in the willows. Well, feel free to answer that if you want, but why don't we hear the question first? <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. The Carstairs family buys a house in the country, and the daughters begin to sense a presence. What is this Florence Engel Randall work called? Are you sure they didn't buy, they didn't trade in Toad Hall for a new Red Roadster? <laughs> you sure that's not the question you wanted to ask? I think I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me, AJ. I tend to do that. <laughs> oh, man. These names sound vaguely familiar. Too. I'm just not sure from where, and I'm not confident I'm going to get it, so I'm going the wind in the willows. The wind in the willows. Boy, <laughs> wouldn't it have been a fine how do you do if that was the right answer and you had tapped out or gone away from it? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> no, that would have been a book by Kenneth Graham, not Florence uh, <laughs> Single Randall. Yes, and there, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a book, uh, kind of a supernatural feel to it. There is a family moves into the house. The young daughters think that it's haunted. They get to feel that there's a presence. Turns out it's some sort of alien who's been trapped in the forest nearby, communicates telepathically with the children. It is a watcher in the woods. Uh, okay, okay. I've heard of that before. Uh, it was a double double W, just not the right double W. It was. It was. <laughs> I've still got a wind in the willows in my back pocket. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, you also have six points in your front pocket, six out of a possible 16. Well done for round one. We're going to move along now to round two. The point values, they're going to increase to two, four, six, and eight. And Wesley, here are your categories for round two. We're going to kick things off with potpourri. Followed up with history, move along to audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. And we're going to wrap up round two and the first half with say it with me, everybody, if you dare, only, only in, in Florida. Florida. That is correct, sir. But potpourri comes first, two, four, six, or eight. Um, well, I didn't do enough Florida reading, so that's going to get the two. Um, I like history. Audio hodgepodge is another one of those random categories, but as is potpourri. So I'm going to go with a four for potpourri. Four for potpourri. Good luck. And here is your question. What was created by Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger 
and named after the Hawaiian word for quick. Um, I know this one 100%. It's Wikipedia. Well, you answered that quite Hawaiian word for quick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, with such confidence, there's really not much I could say, although I could go into the Wikipedia entry for Wikipedia, change this answer, and therefore make you wrong. Uh, but, but that would probably be cheating on my part. Yes, the Hawaiian word for quick is, of course, Pedia. No, I kid. It's wiki. Uh, yes, no leaks on you, sir. Wikipedia. Well done. Four points. Yay. It is a you either know it or you don't. But, it, you know, I guess you could suss it out. You could. Uh, I mean, if you the, thought about it. Enough. Sure. Not the Hawaiian uh, word for uh, turtle, because that would be Honupedia. Uh, I had a friend named Jeff Miller who once came back from Hawaii was very excited because he had swum with a Honu. <laughs> Ooh. That's fancy. <laughs> well done, four points. History is up next, sir. Two, six, or eight. I'm going to go with the eight for history. Eight for history. Excellent. I hope you get it right. And if not, then you'll get it wrong. And, you know, it's the W episode, so... I'm all for as many wrongs as possible, but that's just me keeping with theme. It has nothing to do with rooting against you, sir. Fair, fair. I get it. <laughs> all right. Here is your eight-point history question. Waterloo has become synonymous with the turning point of a war that tips the scales towards one side's inevitable defeat. Now, we all know Napoleon lost at Waterloo. Who led the victors? Um, another one I know right offhand. That was um, Sir Arthur Wellesley. But I'm going to just lock in Wellesley. All righty. Now, you are just quite the, uh, the blurter today, aren't you? Apparently so. You've just hit two in a row that I knew very quickly. Now, uh, for those of you out there who might not have had uh, that name jump to mind, uh, Arthur Wellesley, no relation, I assume, to Wesley Wells. No, no. <laughs> it could have shortened the name. I don't know. Of course, uh, the forces that were allied against Napoleon were uh, Prussia, led by uh, Marshal von Blucher. Kind of a little young Frankenstein throwback, maybe, Gene Wilder. Blucher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, Arthur Wellesley, I will, of course, also accept the first Duke of Wellington, because that also starts with W, and that was his title. So, Arthur Wellesley, the first Duke of Wellington. Either answer is correct. And you, sir, are on what they call a roll. Spelled with a silent W? Uh, Sure, sure. Could be, could be. Not necessarily an Esther roll uh, or a Myron roll, but uh, a roll nonetheless. I better start uh, amping up the difficulty factor here. Hang on. Using my wrench. No, 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 no. Feel free to stay where it is. And that's a wrench with a silent W. Anyway, audio hodgepodge, sir, is up next. Will you wager your two or will you wager your six? I know the answer, but just make it official. I will wager my six. Yes, indeed. Six points. We already know where your two is uh, earmarked for, but let us move along here. Six point audio hodgepodge. Wesley, here's how audio hodgepodge uh, works. As you know, I am going to ask you a question and then I'm going to play you a little clip. And the idea is that after you hear said clip, you will have a lot better shot at answering the question. Uh, Wesley, are you ready? I am ready. Wesley, what was the topic of discussion that led to the following controversy? Uh, Last night on this program, 
if you would read uh, some of the newspapers, you'd think that I had committed a terrible obscenity. Last night I told a little story that I thought was about as funny as anything I had ever been given. It was a story, I'm not going to go into it because they'll cut me off again. <laughs> but it is not at all, in any sense of the word, an obscene story. True, the story perhaps should not be told at like at 8 o'clock on Sunday night, but at this hour, uh, it certainly could be told. It was very adult and very funny. Well, AJ? Yes, sir. I'm not sure. I had a feeling. I heard it in your voice. <laughs> it's very adult and very funny. That could be a lot of things. Are you sure this wasn't supposed to be the only in Florida question? <laughs> I'm pretty darn sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm not great at recognizing voices. That's not a very strong suit of mine. And it's one, one reason why I'm very hit or miss at like music trivia. I, I thought it might be like Johnny Carson. I don't know what sort of story he would have told. I did just think of another triple W. So I'm writing that down before I forget. <laughs> But I don't think the story Johnny Carson told was about the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> it was very adult and very funny. Maybe it was the PG-13 version of The Wind in the Willows. That's what I'm going to look in with. All right, yeah. Uh, clearly, controversy and censorship abounds when you start talking about The Wind in the Willows. Uh, <laughs> so, right. Wesley, you know, you are not entirely as far off in terms of your vocal identification skills as you thought. Uh, you said you thought that sounded like Johnny Carson, and while it was not Johnny Carson, it was a previous host of The Tonight Show. That is Jack Parr, who was the host of The Tonight Show, prior to Johnny Carson. This was 1960. Jack Parr was very much more, his monologues weren't so much jokes as he took uh, letters from uh, the viewers and just told lots of long stories. And on one night in 1960, he told uh, a, a joke, a story that was like a really a, a long, four-minute long joke. And uh, he discovered the next day that NBC had cut it from the program. Uh, they didn't go completely live. They went live to tape back then. And so when they went to run the tape that night, they just cut those four minutes out. Uh, and he was a little upset because he, he had been censored. And the network actually aired a disclaimer before the show uh, on this night when he complained about it, saying that, you know, they, they stand by their decision, that the, the, the comments that he'd made were, were obscene and inappropriate. Uh, to be aired uh, on television, and Jack Barr, at the end of uh, this little monologue he's about to give, actually walked off the show and stayed away for an entire month. Wow. Uh, he quit, and uh, only after a month did the fences get mended enough that he returned, and he, in one of the great television moments, he returned and picked up exactly where he left off when he had left. <laughs> As I was saying, and he went right back into it with his same monologue, which was hilarious. The joke... I know we live in different times today, but I am still amazed that they decided to censor it. The joke had to do with a woman who was booking a hotel in Germany, and uh, she had visited the premises and then went back home uh, and was having second thoughts about booking it for her next vacation uh, because she didn't see any bathrooms. So she wrote a letter to inquire where the WC was, the water closet. Ah, the water closet. And uh, the person on the other end whose English was spotty was actually, you know, 
thought she was talking about the local chapel. You know, explained that oh well the you know the WC it's uh, you know it's about five mile walk and it seats about 120 and you know the hilarity oh, ensues because That's yeah funny. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could not discuss a water closet on television, apparently. Apparently. So, you know, yeah. Every time you think that, you know, our culture is a little too PC. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a little worse uh, way back then in the day. I will say, I listened to this entire, uh, like, first 15 minutes of this broadcast. Apparently, just before that WC incident, there was a whole, there was a whole statement on uh, how uh, there was this clock that was working with uh, magnetic figures that came out and they some of them kissed and some of them didn't and this was an actual clock that he had seen and the, they were magnetized so that the two figures that were of the same sex would repel each other and the two that were opposite sex would the magnets would make them go together and kiss and they were discussing this and he actually said something uh, joke to the, to the extent of well you know as long as we keep things straight it's okay oh no and oh. that was fine that that made it to air. No issues there. Right, right. <laughs> dare you call a toilet a water closet? <laughs> oh no, Sir Bob, the offended, offended. Oh, ho, ho. oh, the sixties. Anyway, cannot give you the points, but I can't give you an. Uh, you know, I was a TV major. These are things that are that are near and dear to me. <laughs> there you go, Wesley. Are you ready to be offended again with only in Florida? <laughs> Oh, I'm excited for Only in Florida. Well, sir, only two points at risk. Here is your Only in Florida question. Best of luck to you. (laughs) A Brevard County man was one of 100 people arrested by a drug task force, which ended up confiscating over 500,000 doses of fentanyl. Bobby Walls, according to the sheriff's Facebook page, was caught despite his, quote, incredible disguise, unquote. What was his incredible disguise? So, um, the first thought about a disguise when, when thinking about, like, um, something crazy would be a wig. But we're in Florida, and so a wig is not going to be good enough. Maybe a white wig. It's probably still not good enough, but... I'm trying to think of, like, what would be crazy. He could have put his his wisdom teeth. <laughs> um, me, you know, I'm going to have to go with a white wig, I think. A white wig is your answer. So, you know, it's with every fiber of my being, I really wish the answer was Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> <laughs> But alas, that is not alas. Alas, that is not the answer. But boy, if I had been able to get you with that one at this point, oh, boy, would that make me happy? Uh, plus, just the visual. Uh, so, Bobby Wells, excuse me, Bobby Walls. You're you're Wells. This is Walls. I'm Wells. Yes. Bobby Walls was seen by police officers escaping uh, the scene of this huge raid. I mean, this was a big deal. This was national news just on its own merits, and rightfully so. You, you know, you, you confiscate that much in terms of drugs, it's going to make the news. Uh, and this, he was one of the people in there who escaped. He jumped on his little 10-speed bicycle and started pedaling away. And he was wearing a bright blue shirt and camo shorts. So he kind of stood out 
sure. the crowd, and he was riding a bicycle uh, as he pedaled away. So he thought he would throw the cops off of his trail by slapping on a wig. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was a blonde wig, but I am not going to dock you for trying to be clever and, and uh, double wing there, uh, as it were. So I'm Thank giving you. you the two points. Yes, yes. You almost ran yourself right out of those points, though, sir. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Well, Excellent job. Excellent job. That was a fine round for you. 14 points out of possible 20. I'm going to add those 14 to the six you had coming into the round. And we are at halftime now, and you are sitting on a very, very healthy 20 points. Well done, sir. How do you feel uh, as we're heading into the half? Well, no matter what happens, I'm going to finish ahead of Tristan. Well, you know, you're at, you're, if Tristan is X, you're at 5X right now. So, I mean, you know, let's not get too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard to do. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I hear you. It's, it's, you know, we'll set our tiny goals and we'll achieve them. I understand. Uh, <laughs> well, sir, here is how halftime works. As you know, it is our only partial credit question of the game. I'm going to ask you the question, and then we're going to pause for a few moments while you ponder your potential responses to said question. And then when we come back from our little brief hiatus, uh, we're going to see what you, you come up with here. Here is your halftime bonus question, sir. Uh, IMDB, that Internet Movie Database, uh, allows its users to rank films on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, so, for two points each, I would like for you to name for me any five of the top 10 highest ranked W films as of March 2019. And these are films that start with the letter W, with the exception of any uh, leading articles, A's, A's, and the's. So those are the movies I'm looking for. First word starts with W, minus any A's, A's, or the's. Take a few moments, think about your answers to the question, Wesley, and we will be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron, just like Christopher, Muffy, Andy, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Wesley Wells. When we last left Wesley, why, he was sitting on 20 points. Working on the following halftime bonus question, IMDB allows its users to rank films on a scale of 1 to 10. And for two points each, I've asked him to name for me any five of the current top 10 highest ranked W films as of March of 2019. So maybe it's not perfectly current, but it's about as current as the last list that uh, I saw compiled that I trusted. Uh, it, you know, it's a work in progress. It moves around. It's, it, it's in flux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to move that much. But anyway, sir, whenever you're ready, uh, what do you got for me? Well, so I went the Oscar route. And I'm honestly probably a little better because the Oscars, I'm not great at it, but it's a much more finite um, category than just every movie ever made. So I've, um, I'm fairly decent with, with recent Oscar movies and nominees. And so um, I immediately went to Wolf of Wall Street and Whiplash on that note. And then I started thinking, huh, there was also a movie that was just called Wall Street. And so I wrote that, which left me with two more. And then I went 
to Disney because I love Disney and thought of Wally, which is such a good movie. I love Wally so much. And then I had trouble thinking of a fifth one. And so Wind in the Willows. <laughs> if it is broke, stick with it. No, wait, what's the. <laughs> there, there was a little Disney cartoon made of that. Uh, yes, absolutely. There was also a, a movie version of Watcher in the Woods made, uh, and they called it The Watcher in the Woods as opposed to A Watcher in the Woods, but uh, I don't know why they changing the article meant anything, but uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, generally speaking, you know, quality movies uh, certainly tend to get respect here. Also, uh, maybe superhero movies, sci-fi movies, horror movies tend to get a little bit more of a bump than they would from necessarily Oscar contention, but let us uh, run this list down from starting at number 10, working our way up to number 1, see how many you got uh, at number 10 on the list. We had a little film. It was a comedy. Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston. There was a pot involved and drug shipments and a family on vacation that gets caught in a web of intrigue. It's called We're the Millers. Okay, yep. I've heard of that. Sure, okay, why not? <laughs> pot humor, I get it. Uh, number nine on the list It is a remake of a classic science fiction film. I, for one, prefer the original, but, you know, what do I know? Uh, we've got Mr. Tom Cruise. Pretty much if Tom Cruise is in a film, it's probably going to end up on, on high on the IMD charts here. It's War of the Worlds. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, then we have uh, a superhero film with that huge actor, huge Ackman. Uh, that would be The Wolverine. <laughs> oh, sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had a film for which, uh, speaking of Oscars, for which Nick Nolte was uh, nominated for an Oscar recently. It's about boxers. Uh, it is called Warrior. Oh, yep, yep. I didn't think of that. Yep. I had to look it up. I had no idea what it was, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> then, of course, another superhero, soon to be a adaptation on HBO, because it's not TV. It's HBO. That would be Watchmen. Uh, then we had a definite, definite hit at the box office, uh, definite Oscar buzz for Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Uh. And then, you know, speaking of these superstar celebrities, if they're in a film, it's going to be good. Uh, I did not like this movie when I first saw it, simply because I really loved the book that it was adapted from. And, but in retrospect, it actually was a pretty good zombie movie. World War Z with Mr. Brad Pitt. I uh, I am thought of that after you said War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, it, it, the book's so much better. But, you know, who knows? They have a chance to redeem themselves. They're doing a World War Z, too. Or is it World War II Z? I don't know how they're going <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, and then our top three films still to come. Why, we have something about J.K. Simmons yelling at a drummer. Oh, good. That would be Whiplash. Well done, shut two out. points for you. Yes, no shut out there. Then we have a film with very little dialogue. Beep, beep, boop, boop. It's Robots yeah. in Space. <laughs> Wall-E. Yes, indeed. So good. And Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> you got the top three. Wolf of Wall Street, absolutely. Got the top three. Uh, Greed apparently was not good. <laughs> Wall Street not making the top ten. But uh, still, 
Still plenty of wind in your willows, sir. You've got six points out of the ten possible. We're going to add those to the 20 head coming into the round. We're going to enter the second half, and you're at 26 points. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself, and I do. Excellent, sir. Excellent. Well, let us move on to round three. Now, as you know, the point values are going to stay the same. Two, four, six, and eight. Who do we appreciate? You, Wesley. We appreciate you. And the categories, though, they're going to be a change, and here's what they're going to be a changing to. Kicking things off with music. Following that up. Oh, well, we're going to trivial warfare this sucker up. All right, I better pause. (laughs) (laughs) Following up music with movies. Move along to sports. Sports. And we're going to wrap things up with television. No televisiones? Oh, 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 I see. We only do some of Chris's things. I get it. I get it. That's Hall of Famer Chris Hollister. Congratulations, by the way, to the Trivial Warfare crew for making the Trivial Hall of Fame. Uh, Couldn't happen to a nicer batch of people. Kudos, kudos. An honor well earned. Now on to my trivia show. Wesley, you ready for your music question, two, four, six, or eight? Well, AJ, I'm a little salty that three pop culture categories ended up in the same round. Because that means that movies is going to have to get a six, but music is probably my worst of three, and so it gets the two. All right, two points for music. Who knows? It just might end up being just one of those things you know. We shall see. Here is your two-point music question. Bob Dylan originally wrote what song in 1973? Although it would be 40 years later when Darius Rucker's version would be awarded a Grammy for Best Country Solo Performance. Well, Darius Rucker Country Solo Performance, that has to be Wagon Wheel. Does it have to be Wagon Wheel? (laughs) That's the only real Darius Rucker song I know. Uh, I mean, mean Hootie and the Blowfish aside. Yeah, I, well, sure. I mean, it's 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 solo, so that that eliminates right. only "Wanna Be with You," which of course has "Wanna" and "With," so that would be two W's there if I wanted to go the hoodie route. Uh, yeah, Bob Dylan originally wrote this song when he was in the Old Crow Medicine Show, and yeah. Darius Rucker originally heard the song and hated it, <laughs> and then heard it again and said, "Wait a second, that'd be a great country song," and. Boom! Wagon Wheel was uh, recorded. Wagon Wheel is the correct answer. Well done, sir. Hey, Mama, rock me. See? See? You, you poo-poo a category, and then suddenly it jumps up and, and smacks you right in the face. That is two Throwing points for you. Yeah, yeah. Now, what are we going to do for, for movies? We're throwing the six on movies. So you said. I just wanted to make sure. Six points, movies question. Good luck. Here is that question. The 1997 film Fierce Creatures was not a sequel, although it did star the same four actors in leading roles, playing the same character archetypes as what 1988 film? Okay, Fierce Creatures. That's a good question. It's a very good question. It's one that I'm not sure of the answer to. That makes it an excellent question. (laughs) Eventually I have to stop guessing Wind in the Willows, don't I? (laughs) One might argue if you want to get the points. <laughs> AJ, I don't know. I don't know. I've got a tap because I know Wind in the Willows isn't right. I feel for you, man. I feel for you. So, you know, they, there's a lot of, uh, you know, like a Christopher Guest has his movies and it's the same cast generally comes back for film after film, but they change the, the plot. It's not, they're not sequels, but, you know, they certainly the films are of the same ilk 
of the same feel, the same type. Uh, this was another group of actors who did quite well in 1988, had a huge hit with this film. Uh, nine years later, they just had to come back and see if they could catch lightning in the bottle again. Uh, and they did not. It's not a horrible film by any stretch of the imagination about... Uh, a uh, failing zoo and uh, the manager of the zoo decides that uh, well maybe we'll get more people in here if we get rid of all the tame animals and have nothing but fierce creatures and you know create a buzz and make it a, the world's most dangerous zoo uh, clearly it is a comedy from John Cleese and Kevin Klein and Michael Palin and Jamie Lee Curtis yep yep a fish called Wanda a Fish Called Wanda was the original, yeah. They all came back and played uh, similar characters, uh, similar archetypes. Just little tiny differences in the role. For example, uh, Michael Palin's character talked incessantly to make up for the fact that he had a stutter in the first film. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few callbacks to the original. But uh, yeah, like I said, it wasn't the worst film in the world. Clever, clever. But no fish called Wanda. Anyway, cannot give you the points there, uh, but I can give you the next question, which will be sports. You can use four or you can use eight. I'm going to, of course, go with eight on sports because it's actually something I know. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope you do know. I have a feeling you might know. Uh, but we shall see. Good luck. And here's your eight point sports question. In 1897, this left handed hitter started the season off with a 44 game hitting streak which stood as the major league record until Joe DiMaggio broke it in 1941. Joe DiMaggio is the only man to ever beat this mark. Who was this Hall of Famer who stood just five foot four inches tall? Well, if you say 1897 baseball player, particularly one who has a name starting with W, there's, no, there's nowhere else to go besides Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner is your answer. So Pete Rose also had a 44-game hitting streak. He was endeavoring to become, you know, the, the, the one guy who potentially could, could top Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. Uh, and so that 44-game hitting streak was the longest uh, hitting streak in the National League, tying uh, this player, who technically is also still one game ahead of Pete Rose because he had gotten hit in the last game of the 1896 season. So wow. even though it's a streak over two seasons of 45 games, but 44 within one season, it's complicated. Baseball records all have asterisks up, up the wazoo if you really want to think about it. Uh, but no, sir, it is not Honus Wagner. So that Hack was a, Wilson? It is not Hack Wilson who has... Uh, the most RBIs in a single season. This is, I mentioned he was just five foot four oh, inches tall. We Willie Keeler. We Willie it, Keeler. It, yes, it is we, Willie Keeler. Why else would I mention his diminutive stature? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. I thought you had it. I did. I should have sat and thought for another minute instead of going, oh, Honus Wagner starts with a W. Not to be confused, of course, with we Willie Winky, who ran around town in his nightgown. Peeping at women, because that's that's a good nursery rhyme to tell kids. What? <laughs> nope. Better not discuss it on the Tonight Show. Uh, <laughs> all right, sir. More by that, leaving eight points on the table like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you got a little ahead of yourself. You got a little too big for your britches there. But uh, <laughs> it's okay. We still have one more chance to get points in this round. One more chance. It is going to be television. It is going to be worth four points. Are you ready for your question, sir? I am. Here is your four-point TV question. Don Herbert was a television mainstay, 
appearing in just over 650 episodes spanning five decades as what persona? Persona. So something that's like a character, but it's more like a larger-than-life type character that just likely someone that that might be carried on after he was gone akin to, to Barney or something like that. It's kind of what I'm thinking based on that wording. Unfortunately, I don't know this one. So perhaps he was the Wicked Witch of the West? <laughs> um, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, he used to hang out in the willows with, <laughs> with the wind blowing right. through his hair. Uh, no, no, unfortunately, not the case. So Don Herbert was a guy who used to hang out in his basement with children. Oh, that sounds bad. That sounds horrible. Uh, no, he was uh, a scientist, and he would give little uh, science experiments. He was probably single-handedly responsible for that uh, making soda bottles explode if you put in the Alka-Seltzer in them. He had a show at one point called Watch Mr. Wizard. He later on uh, updated the show to Mr. Wizard's World. Don Herbert was a quote-unquote character, a persona named Mr. Wizard. Of course. So, I mean, technically you were in the right universe because of the Wizard of... No, you weren't. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You had a little bit of a slip-up in that round. It's going to happen. Could have been better. Could have been better. Could have been worse. Could have been raining. Uh, two out of a possible 20. I'm going to add those two to the 26 you had coming in. Around three, you are sitting at 28 points as we head into our fourth and final round. Our highest scoring possible round of the game. We're going to increase those points to three, five, seven, and nine. Sir, are you ready to hear the categories that we're going to be using for round four? I am. Well, we are going to kick things off with Fungo. Move along to the mashup. We're going to follow it up with Science. Science. You better have said it. I gave you a huge pause there. And we're going to wrap up round four and the second half with Around the World. But first things are first. Fungo, three, five, seven, or nine. I'm going to go with a seven for Fungo. Seven points for Fungo. You feeling confident with the Fungo? Um, ish, ish. Ish it is. Well, good luck, sir. As you know, Fungo, three. Distinct clues, all pointing to the same singular answer. Good luck. Here is your fungo. Clue number one, winner of the Battle of Sterling Bridge. Clue number two, actress in Fox Force 5, a failed pilot. And clue number three, cheese-loving chunk of clay. Okay, I'm feeling good about this. How so? <laughs> I was thinking about Sterling Bridge and battles, but then cheese-loving hunk of clay leads me to Wallace and Gromit. So the winner of the Battle of Sterling Bridge is going to be William Wallace. So I'm going with Wallace. Wallace is your answer. Uh, any any idea on the actress in Fox Force 5, a failed pilot? Not offhand, but I think I get the points anyway. Well, look, if you're correct, you will get the points anyway, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and yes, yes, you have nailed nailed it down. William Wallace, winner of the Battle of the Storing Bridge. Gromit! They had the wrong trousers. Yes, Wallace and Gromit, of course, the lovable claymations from Ardman. 
And we actually already had uh, an unintentional Pulp Fiction reference earlier in the show. This is from Pulp Fiction, the character played by Uma Thurman of Mia Wallace. Her claim to fame was that she was an actress in Fox Force 5, a failed pilot. Well done for getting it right nonetheless, sir. Seven points to you. An excellent start to round four. And the wife of Marcellus Wallace. This is true, and uh, quite the uh, quite the jackrabbit slim dancer. You've tackled the funga. Let's see if you can uh, corral the mashup. Uh, three, five, or nine points. I'm only going to go three for the mashup. Three points for the mashup. All right, sir. Uh, you're not going to get three clues for this one. You're going to get one very long clue. <laughs> As you know, the mashup. I'm looking for two answers smooshed together by a common word or syllable. Here is your three-point mashup, sir. Endorser of progressive reform who wanted to make the world safe for democracy, reversing an earlier stance that you've got no one to blame for your unhappiness, you got yourself into your own mess. Easy peasy. Yeah, definitely sound like different campaign slogans. And and for sure, make the world safe for democracy is familiar to me. I think, looking at my list of um, double W's that I've written down, I think make the world safe for democracy is um, Woodrow Wilson. I've got to guess that those might be song lyrics. And I'm thinking it might be Woodrow Wilson Phillips. Woodrow Wilson Phillips is your answer. Well, America is not anything if it consists of each of us. You've got to hold on for one more day. It is indeed Woodrow Wilson Phillips. Yes. Well done, sir. I myself was tickled by that mashup. That's very, very good. I appreciate it very much. Some mashups, eh, there's a bit of a stretch. That one was pretty straightforward and kind of amusing to me. <laughs> I know there's pain. <laughs> The pain of war. Uh, <laughs> two for two. Uh, yeah, this round is heating up. The hot seat's getting hot. Science is up next. Five or nine, sir. Um, I'm going to go five for science. Five points for science. Good luck. Keep the streak going. Here is your five-point science question. A crystalline lattice of carbon and oxygen atoms is the hypothesized makeup of what dense object? What did you describe as being dense? Like, um, what was the word that um, that qualified in the clue? <laughs> Identified lots of hot seat residents as being dense. No, I kid. I kid. <laughs> um, I said a crystalline lattice of carbon and oxygen atoms is the hypothesized makeup of what dense object? Hypothesized. If it wasn't the W episode. I would probably go to, to the Higgs boson, the God particle. But... But seeing as it is the W episode, we're not going there. What's the name of the thing that started the Big Bang? Oh, what was it? Because I feel like that might be it. AJ, I'm struggling. Sounds like it. So I feel like I'm on the right track. I'm just trying to remember the name of that stupid particle. And now watch, we're going to get there and you're going to be like, oh, that's not it at all. Not even close. I keep thinking of Vanderwall's forces. I can't think of it, and I'm not getting there. So I am tapping. 
You are tapping. Well, this is a very dense object, one of the densest objects known in the universe. It is called the Wind in the Willows. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what happens to a star. Some stars, not all stars, but it just suddenly collapses. It gets super duper dense. It ejects, uh, you know, part of its core there. Uh, it's not quite enough to transform itself into a black hole. It is, however, what is known as a white dwarf. Okay. Okay. Yep. Sure. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't come I up with the science, however. Yeah. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get involved in like the Chandra Shekhar limit and all that stuff. That's 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 for people. <laughs> that's above my pay grade. But <laughs> uh, around the world, it is our final question of the game here. Regulation time. Uh, it's gonna be worth nine points. Our most valuable of round four questions and in the game. Are you ready, sir? Geography. Indeed. Here is your nine point question. Fan Bay Deep Shelter is a complex series of tunnels located directly below what iconic site? Are you sure I've heard of this? Just got to think of it. What iconic site? Fan Bay Deep Shelter. I believe it was the White Cliffs of Dover. You believe it was the White Cliffs of Dover. That is your answer. Well, Fan Bay Deep Shelter. As you... Uh, probably guessed by the fact that I called it a complex series of tunnels, were a complex series of tunnels. I mean, you know. <laughs> right. uh, they were constructed during World War II to kind of uh, hide uh, artillery dug beneath this iconic location, the White Cliffs of Dover. Well done, sir. Yes. I knew I had heard of those. Or Indeed. Not to be confused with the fanboy deep shelter, which is any comic book nerd in their mother's basement. <laughs> I try. Uh, <laughs> 19 points, sir. 19 points in that round out of Apostle 24. Well done. I'm going to add those 19 points to the 28 you had coming into the round, which puts you at a very, very healthy 47 points. As we head into the confidence question, Wesley, this is your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question will be before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. You must, must! Wager between one and ten points. Get it right, and I will add it to your score, and happily so, for I am such a giving, generous individual. If you get it wrong, Wesley, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to place you in a location with lots of reeds, and I'm going to blow at a high velocity into your ear. <laughs> I think you know what I'm putting down. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> uh, this season, our alphabet season, I have asked each of my hot seat residents to nominate three potential categories for the confidence question that they think they'll do pretty well in. Wesley has graciously done so. I have deviously selected. So I ask you on a scale of 1 to 10. How confident are you in the category Hamilton? Yes. I am 10 
hundred million points confident in that, which probably means I'm about to miss it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we don't have to wager ten hundred million points. How about just ten and leave it at that, since that's the max. But I hear what you're saying. Have you been to see Hamilton more than a few times? I've I've seen it live once. I've already got tickets to see it again. Fair enough. I'm more of a Dear Evan Hansen person, but I hear you. I hear you. It's okay. Well, I've also got tickets to see that this year. Let's see how you do. Good luck. Here is your 10-point confidence question. Esperanza Spaulding's jazz version of a Lauryn Hill song and James Earl Jones performing Othello were at the time considered to be the two highlights of what event? So... This is going to be the event where um, where he debuted um, what, what, what he had been working on because it was in the White House and Obama had asked him to um, come and and perform some some stuff from in the Heights. So it's going to be the White House something. I'm not sure the actual name of the event. I think it involved. I'm not sure. It wasn't like the correspondence dinner or anything. I don't know. I know the event. I've watched the video more than once, and it's really cool. And I've watched videos with, with Lynn where he talks about um, how nervous he was having been asked by the literal president of the United States to come and do something, and then he gets there and does something different. <laughs> um, the White House, I don't know what it's going to be called. So I'm about to lose 10 points. White House Festival of the Arts. White House Festival of the Arts. Uh, so this, I mean, you are you are certainly uh, you know exactly what I am talking about. Uh, I, interestingly enough, I went and read a few of the reviews of this event, and everyone was raving about Esperanza Spaulding and her jazz version of the Lauren Hill song and. James Earl Jones and delivering a, a monologue from Othello. I mean, you know, the, these were the these were the two highlights. Uh, few articles didn't even mention Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> the ones that did uh, really didn't quite understand what they had just witnessed. They they said uh, they thought he was joking when he said this is from a an, a purported new musical he's working on about Alexander Hamilton. Well, that's preposterous. He must have been joking. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Yet, uh, as as can be attested to by, you've seen the video. Uh, Barack and Michelle Obama were tickled pink. They really dug it. Uh, the audience was quite uh, responsive to it. And Lin Manuel Miranda had said that uh, had he not gotten a good response from it, that would have ended right then and there. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, but indeed, he was serious, as we all know now, and uh, ought to have been in the room where that happened, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was in May of 2009. It was to be uh, potentially uh, an event that was going to take place uh, more than once. But of course, it was hard to beat that singular event. And uh, certainly current regimes are probably not interested in repeating uh, what was canonically called an evening of poetry, music, and the spoken word at the White House, but colloquially called the White House Poetry Jam. Ah, uh, okay. Bummer indeed. I mean, kudos to you for, for 
getting where I was going with that because it's, I mean, it's not quite Hamilton the musical, but there would be no Hamilton the musical without that performance. Sure. Uh, sure. I will take those 10 points away begrudgingly, but uh, I'll spare you from the uh, high-powered fan and the uh, <laughs> the Thank mossy you. pond. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, 37 points! That's still pretty good score. And, uh, you know, heck, uh, you... I'll, you get to keep, I'd say, I'd say you'd split it 18 and a half, 18 and a half with the, with, with the new misses, right? Is that how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. But, well, <laughs> what's hers is hers and what's mine is too. Indeed, indeed. I think she's probably going to not claim any of the answers that you got wrong in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Wesley, thank you so much for being in the hot seat. Is there anything you'd like to uh, plug, discuss, uh, talk about uh, while you still have a few moments? The floor, as they say, is yours. You've been working on a new musical about some sort of obscure historical figure. Please feel free to rap now. Um, I'll just use this time to say that I've got seven months left in the Jeopardy pool, so call me Maggie. Indeed. Well, I'm, I'm glad you hadn't been called already, in which case you probably would have had to put an embargo on this appearance. So uh, <laughs> at least I'm thankful for, for the wait in that regard. Well, yes, good luck. Good luck to you there. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll make it on, as, as many of our uh, other trivia friends who are in that boat uh, now... Uh, Feel free to leave this hot seat, never to return, at least not until next season. So it's not too far off anyway, but uh, <laughs> get out! And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week as we wrap up our alphabet season. This is going to be an epic episode. I guarantee you're not going to want to miss. How's that for a teaser, Wesley? <laughs> I love it. Until that next time, thank you all for listening. Take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Every book he can get his hands on, planning for the future. See him now as he stands on the bow of a ship, headed for a new land. In New York, you can't be a new man. The ship is in the harbor now. See if you can spot him. Another immigrant coming up from the bottom.